we are committed not simply to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. Yeah? That's what God wants. I want a lot of sort of people stuffed with knowledge um, and that knowledge never being translated into action. So we understand God talks about being, requires us to be. So we're going to do a little bit of doing in a minute. But this week, for the first time, I managed to speak to Leroy Hill. And that was, to me, a great joy. I don't know how many times I've tried in all sorts of different ways. I'm very technological, you know that, don't you? Uh, what's that thing called that I do? WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yes, WhatsApp. <laughs> and uh, all these different things. But managed to get through to him. And uh, obviously, things continue to be very tough there. Very difficult. Uh, one of his words is, we're fighting, John. We're fighting. But, do you know, I just... First of all, it was a thrill just to speak to him because he's my brother and I've spoken to him and to hear his voice. I've got some information. But, but to hear the sense of God is with us, God is helping us. Yeah, you know, there's, all the things that we take for granted are not there. Uh, and it's an extremely difficult situation. But the kind of... And do you know what made me think? Because we're talking a lot about heart, I thought, wow, there's a manifestation of a heart which is in tune with God and responsive to what God is saying and doing. And he's really not focused on the difficulties. He's focused on what God is doing in that situation. So that was really good. And then um, I got this email uh, from Norma, and uh, remember Norma uh, lost her house and uh, extremely difficult situation. So she writes to us all, um, I'd like to thank you for that word that is so well received. Do you remember we, uh, we had a time of praying and then I said, have you got words like we always say, write them down and we sent them, sent them off. I just want you to understand that this is all part of being in the purpose of God and part of what God will do in the situation. I want to thank you for that word that was so well received at this specific time. I've opened my email. Uh, I don't know whether it's been working or not, but a few times, but um, she said, today, and this was a couple of days ago, she said, I was feeling a bit down. And later on, she goes on to say about Jaslyn, her daughter, had uh, gone off to the States to work. Whether that was to do with it, I don't know. Not because of material things, but other issues I have to deal with. I clearly heard the Lord speak to me and said, check your email. As I opened it, I saw word for Norma. This was the right timing to uplift my spirit and keep me in focus. The hurricane has taken... Everything away. This was the word. The hurricane has taken everything away. As you start to rebuild, it is God who is going to rebuild a new thing, a new adventure, new birth, new hope. His glory shining through. Watch what God will do through you. And this was something that really 
uplifted and blessed her. The word of the Lord does that, you know. Then she went on to explain something of the outworking. She said, as part of the board of the Pastors Association, we had a meeting with UNICEF yesterday, and I shared on the church, the church's active involvement in the distribution of meals and looking after the needs of society. It's not the government, but the church reaching out to the needy. I believe God wants the church to take its right, uh, rightful place that is appointed by God. In a dream, God spoke to me a few days ago and said, teach the parents to educate the children, their children, in the way they should go. Then he said, use the Lifeline Parenting Program. I then awoke and went over the teachings on the parenting. Truly tremendous. I shared in one of the board meetings, the pastors are really interested in using these teachings. And then he goes, she goes on, how soon can you come uh, to do this? Well, <laughs> um, on that, obviously, we, uh, Don and I were due to go to Dominica and St. Martin next month. But both, and I, I mean, this is exactly what I expected. Hilton and Leroy said, I ain't going to really work because they're trying to recover their, you know, get roofs on their houses and things like that. So uh, it's not the kind of training time. Um, but I'd earmarked to go in the first part of next year, so... And she says this, as for me, I'm okay taking everything one day at a time, trusting God every step of the way. Some days are harder than others. Keep us in prayer. We remain humble before him. I thought that's good news. That's good news of God using us uh, in a situation. It's always a thrill. Uh, speaking his word through us, to, which is a, a great privilege to, to speak his word through us but also to see the, the power of God to not only uphold, but fulfill his word, that instead of just being under it, uh, here's yet somebody else, part of our family, that is knowing the anointing, the empowering of God to actually rise up and begin to rebuild in that nation of St. Martin. Isn't that good? Don't you think that's good? Do you know what? I thought you were going to start clapping for a minute and I was going to join in. <laughs> yeah, some of these things, they are a bit of a terrific... Oh, I thought I was really thrilled with that. Norma, very precious to us. God has used her mightily amongst us. All right, let's have a little bit of... Uh, application. Hmm. Let's see, where should we go with this? Um, what was the, the last time you felt God adjusted your heart? When I'm talking about heart, you know, sort of maybe challenged an attitude or a particular position or a thought... We're, we're talking, aren't we, in these days about uh, our hearts being softened, our hearts being in tune with him, coming close, closer to him as a, as a kind of springboard, uh, recognizing that's where God starts. In the spirit of adventure, looking at harvest, an increasing harvest, but the first thing, because Jesus was always moved with compassion, 
That's what happened first. So that's, that's where God has got us focused these last few weeks. And then Mark McGrath came last week, and he just feels to bring something which is in that same vein. You remember he spoke about the woman with the, the alabaster box of ointment and just giving all to him. And so we're, 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 we're concentrating on that. Of course, part of that is God adjusting us. So anybody think that, you know, can identify, oh, yes, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when God does that, um, I think I've told you before, but uh, I remember God speaking to us, <coughs> speaking to me, and uh, adjusting something or adding something. And it was um, a while ago. And most of you know that I'd been engaged in stockbroking. It was fairly lucrative. And... Uh, It wasn't that we needed to budget. You know, we teach budgeting, but we didn't really, really need to do anything like that. It's just the world that we were in. And then one day, God said to me, you've learned how to trust me in plenty. Now I want you to learn to trust me in lack. That was God adding something, adjusting something. Um, something that required a different attitude. I thought, I'm just imagining that. That's just a silly thought in my head. And I think it is possible sometimes when God uh, speaks to us, when he does a little heart check, a a little attitude check, that we can kind of push it aside or dismiss it. But it wasn't that. It was God wanting to take us. And it wasn't anything we'd done wrong, but he took us through a route where we didn't have enough. And we had to learn to trust God uh, in that situation. And I think the benefit of that was we learned to see of God's provision in a, in a wholly different way. So just be careful. Sometimes you might say, well, maybe that was just an attack from the enemy. It can just be that we're kind of ducking and diving on it. Um, it could be God. When did I recognize that it was God? I certainly certainly concentrated my mind when I suddenly found that we couldn't we didn't have enough to pay the bills. I think God is very faithful. There's something about when God is bringing an adjustment that he doesn't let it go. You heard from Lisa this morning. You know, she kind of put it aside Bless my soul if other people didn't kind of keep on about it or reminding her about it. I think God is very, very faithful because he's, he's committed to us. You know, you're singing about this morning, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Yeah? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that for you? Yeah? Can you imagine that for me? Can you imagine that for me, Lynn? My voice being a sweet, sweet sound. (laughs) See, it's a sweet, sweet sound, not because of the quality of our voice, but it's because he loves us. 
And if you love somebody, you like to hear their voice. Yeah. So he's very faithful and, and uh, pursues things like that. What was the outcome? Well, the outcome was we learned to trust God and see his provision in a way that we'd never experienced before. You know, um, people say, well, I've, like Paul, learned to be abased and learned to abound, learned to be in plenty and learned to be lack. I mean, I know what I prefer. <laughs> but that learning of what God is doing in a given situation, we have that opportunity all the time to be learning. And uh, I think you'll find people like Hilton and Norma and Lee will we'll say that. You know, we're learning, and it's the opportunity for our heart to be in line with what he's saying. I don't know if we... Do we need to know it's God doing it? There's that, there's that faithfulness of God that just kind of sometimes... I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you would kind of push it aside... But God is faithful. And that, that stays there. So I'm asking, you know, this is, this is a time of doing. Is there something that's kind of, God's been, a little adjustment, a little heart change, a little heart check that God's been saying, that God's been doing. Let's not, not in any way push it aside. Let me look at it the other way around. Say someone that you know well uh, says they're under pressure, maybe in work or maybe a, yeah, somebody in the home under pressure. Would you pray for them? <clears throat> what would you pray? Hmm? Talk to somebody. Tell them what you'd pray. I'm under pressure. Uh, I'm under pressure in my job or I'm under pressure at home. I've got all these kids and this wretched husband and all this nonsense. And the... What would you pray? <clears throat> okay, how many got... Uh, Lord, relieve, relieve the pressure. Yeah? Let me ask the question again. How many people prayed, Lord, will you please resolve or relieve the pressure on this brother or sister? My goodness, I ain't going to come to you for prayer. <laughs> you horrible lot. Right, tell me what else you might have prayed. Or maybe you didn't bother at all. What would you have prayed? Wisdom as to what to pray, yeah. That they would find a way forward, not in fear but in faith. Grace. 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 Yeah. Strength to help in time of need. Yeah. 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 
impressed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very impressed. I thought you would have all said we pray that God will relieve the pressure. Make sure I don't ask you to pray. <laughs> all right, well, now you've encouraged me to go a little bit further. Have you had your heart... Remember, we're talking about our hearts being softened, about coming closer to Jesus, about loving him more. Have you received any sort of adjustment in that direction? You know, a little check, uh-uh, that's not the way to feel, that's not the way to respond. Hmm? Okay. Yeah? Quite a few people. That's good news. Might not be comfortable at the time, but it's, it's good news. And how did it happen? I'm going to give you three options, and I'm just interested to know, right? Was it yourself? You know, the Bible says, let, let a man examine himself before God. Was it somebody spoke to you? That's number two. Or was it as a result of you saying... Search me, O oh God. Yeah? How many, number one? Yeah? How many, number two? Ah. And number three? Okay, two and three, fairly even, yeah? Okay. See, this is about being doers, not just hearers of the word. It's about engaging with the very things that God is saying to us in these days and actually pursuing it through into action. Very important. Well, we could, we could do more on that, but let me... Hmm. I won't ask you to, to sort of put hands up, but... I'm very interested as to for how many people, I don't need you to respond, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but it meant laying aside something else that had got an important or too important position. Because very often, that's a key thing. And it may be like a television program or a certain time or certain activity. Because God is, is interested in the transformation of, the totality of our lives, not just uh, that we do one thing or go to more meetings or pray more or something like that. So let's remind ourselves a little bit then on um, why this is important. And I'd like us to look at some scriptures just to to go back into that. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, and I think Jason put them up for us. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Sorry, chapter 13, not... yeah. I mean, you all know this, but I think it's good that we just kind of come back into the clarity and the recognition. This is based on God's word. This is what God wants. If I speak <clears throat> in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... <coughs> excuse me. 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Then it goes on to describe love. Patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I think in those first verses, it's really made very, very clear how just how important it is that we operate and live in the love of God. The Bible talks about him putting his love in us and giving us that ability to love with the love of God. And we're not talking about a kind of nice, useful add-on extra, not an additional accessory, but we're talking about what is absolutely fundamental to God, what he totally requires. Let's also remind ourselves um, the easy way in which it's measured. And this is, of course, in 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It goes on to describe that. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with the actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. See, it's, it's an easy measurement system. Bible says if, if we say that we love God and we don't love our brethren, we're not, we're not in the truth. It's basically a lie. You see, the, the, the issue of the measurement of how am I doing, how am I growing in the love of God, is how am I increasing in love for one another. And that is expressed, of course, not just in, in sort of soft words, but it's in practical application as well. I watched last night, we were celebrating, some of us with, uh, with Angela for her 70th birthday. And uh, I was just watching, and she was, she was kind of giving thanks that people had helped. But, you know, the, the, the Gary and Millie were, and, and their family were strongly involved in that, but others as well. I realise uh, Darren and Sarah have made that cake. And, and then there was the deck. I looked at all those things and as she was expressing gratitude and I thought, wow, the family of God, the demonstration of love. And nobody was made to do it. You know? it, was, it was something that people did because of a heart of love. I thought, that's, that's pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God when we get together and say, let us help our brothers and sisters in Dominica and 
St. Martin. These things, these are the outworkings, they're the actions that are consistent with that, with that scripture. It's measured in that way. Measured in how we uh, love one another. And, you know, thinking about how we do it, let's turn to another scripture. I think uh, Psalm, Jacob, Psalm 119, I think. If you've got it there, I think I've got it as well somewhere. That's in the Old Testament. Psalm 119, verse 14. Oh, you've got it up already. You beat me to it. This is, this is it's quite important because it's, it's a very key how. How we get our heart in line with his. How we, how we achieve and see in the very thing that he's speaking about. There's a very key thing here. Uh, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. See, guys, for, for us, it's very easy to think. And it's good to, to, to give testimony and to recognise the things that God's done. And we heard this amazing thing from Fikret this morning. And we heard what God's done for, for Lynn. And, uh, I mean, the, the, these are good things. But it's not enough because the encouragement is to look and to consider his ways so that we're actually focused on how he is and his heart and his attitude. I consider uh, your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your work. So that's, that's the kind of positive side. But then there's the other side, um, which we prefer not to look at. Sometimes God in his great goodness will kind of frustrate us a little bit uh, in what we're seeking to do. Um, and you read this, if you want to look at it, um, Jacob Haggai, the one, uh, chapter 1, 5 to 7. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Hey, take note, watch out, listen, heads up. That's kind of what he's saying there. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And he goes on. And this is basically still part of the love of God. It's kind of frustrating either what we're doing or where we're seeking to, 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 to move in a particular thing to pursue a particular thing. He's frustrating that because he's saying, I want, I'm holding that because I want you to focus back on the thing which is important. In this instance, of course, it was building the house of the Lord. But the goodness of God kind of leaves you thinking, he's so committed to our 
moving on to our well-being, to our being like him, he'll even give us a bit of a, bit of a rough time in order that he brings us to exactly where he wants us to be. Isn't that good? That's kind of like a good parent who's prepared to not let their child live on a diet of sweets or whatever, you know? It's like frustrating what's actually wanted in order to bring through to what is the desire and purpose of God. Interesting thing also, yeah, this is a good one to think about. When you love more, you can get hurt more. When you love more, you, you get more concerned. You might not be able to watch things on the television without it affecting you. Because it's God at work bringing our hearts more in line with his. You know, we're kind of separated and distinct from a lot of things that are happening. But if our hearts are reflecting anything of God's heart, some of the evil, some of the things that are happening, this whole thing with the Rohingya refugees at the moment, isn't it appalling? I mean, I never want to get to a place where these things don't affect in some way. And it's not always, you know, the, you watch these adverts and I think some of them are just disgraceful. They're kind of appealing to the soul. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about picking up God's mind and God's view on these things and seeing and uh, you know we've been talking the last but one hot topic um, talked about media and you extend that towards what's actually happening and not happening and I thought on this uh, on this particular thing um, not heard anything much about UN or governments dealing with the country that's at the root of it. You know, it's not, you know, you can, you've got to be realistic without being cynical. It doesn't affect us to the same degree. If it was, if it was a major oil-producing nation or something like that, I think you'd see all sorts of things going on. But, but we are a people that need to be a people of sightedness and understanding and see how things are going. Yeah, you can't go out free when God touches your heart. So we started off this series uh, with a brilliant subject and you were all excited when I told you what the subject was. Me. Yeah, me. So how am I doing? Well, it's interesting. People often ask me that, and I always try to give an honest answer. Hear me carefully on this. I'm not there. I'm not where Paul was when he wrote to the uh, Philippians in chapter 1, verse 8. God can testify 
how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. But I am reporting to you because you stood and prayed with me and with some of the leaders, I'm now reporting back. God is doing something. I find that desire, that love, increasing. And I don't want to stop there. And I'm not at all saying I'm anywhere like the Apostle Paul is. But if it's in the Word of God, and we're asking God for something, and you ask God for something, it's right and proper. And so be encouraged. Who wants me to stay where I am? Wouldn't you like me to move on? So keep praying. God is at work. You're on a winner. Yeah? You don't look convinced. (coughs) Thinking about what uh, Lisa Adams was just sharing about the, the park. See, God changing our heart is, is a particularly measured in our love and our serving one for another. And I think when he sees that, there's a smile on his face. So that's what, that's what I'm about. That's what I'm looking for. But when it's things coming with that right heart, expressing what he's really like. But actually, what Lisa was saying, that's not about a person, that's about a place. And I think that's, that's part of it. And uh, I mentioned this kind of experience that I had when talking in one of these sessions about, oh, yeah, that road, it's such a mess, and all the stuff dumped and what have you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, and I felt God challenged me. What view are you going to take? How about doing something about it? And um, Amanda was telling me, Amanda, can you just come and tell us? Amanda was telling me that Maria had picked up on that. And uh, it's out of that that Love Where You Live came, isn't it? And then... So you, you guys have been kind of getting together. This again, I, I'm just wanting you to see that having God's heart is particularly expressed towards people, but it can also be indirectly people through places. And so they've been getting together mm-hmm. and getting a scheme up. And um, yeah, so I'll be quick. But um, I've lived in Dagenham for 25 years. Uh, walking down Green Lane, shopping in the shops, living just off the street. But since we had the coffee shop, I felt something start to change and that I really cared about where I lived. And I, I started to get, you know, a little bit indignant when people say, oh, Green Lane's rubbish, oh, the shop's terrible, and oh, it's filthy. And that really started to matter to me. Because uh, I thought, hang on, that, that's where I live. And when people kind of smirk when you travel around and you tell them where you live. And I, then I realized that God was stirring something there. Um, and I started to think, you know, if we love a person that's neglected or overlooked, 
or people don't speak nicely of that person, that's easy enough. But what if that was an area? What if that was a place where we live or a street that we live in or a shopping parade? And um, we were at the Bethel Conference and they started to challenge us about um, being salt affecting the flavour. So where we are should change uh, what happens and what something tastes like looks like and if we're light people should know that we're there so I first had this idea of Love Green Lane and I didn't know how I was going to have a whole campaign on my own and then <laughs> God started to talk to Marae because she heard John speak about some rubbish meanwhile Lisa's <laughs> excuse me she said, she said speak about some rubbish she didn't say speak a load of rubbish <laughs> oh, you are bad today. <laughs> so then Lisa is thinking about the park, and then I was chatting to Marae and saying, okay, so it's not just me, what shall we do? And she said, love where you live. And I was like, I like that. That's got a good ring to it. So Marae, being Marae, uh, races off, and we've now engaged a local school using that slogan to... Uh, do a colouring uh, painting competition, going to display it in the coffee shop. Uh, there's going to be prizes. Um, we're also launching a litter picking campaign. The exciting thing is that the people that are going to do it don't even know who they are yet. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to do that on our coffee shop's birthday on the 11th of um, November. Um, but I kind of feel that when we send people out to pick litter and when we say who we are in an area and when we be who we are, that's kind of more of a prophetic thing. And I think, you know, if God is speaking to Lisa and John and Moraine, there's probably more of us, we kind of need to take note of that and think what is it like to love a place as God would love it, um, light in the darkness, like that song was saying, hope, restoring, um, we talk about rocks crying out and singing praise. Mm. And I think a street can do that as well. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Thank thanks, Amanda. See, I, I want us to grasp that this, this issue of heart being softened, the issue of um, God at work, so there's more of him being reflected in us, can have a, a whole range. Primarily, it's towards one another and towards the lost, but there are a variety of expressions of it. And when I look at the different things, I have me think right now, uh, Richard and Lucy are in Sierra Leone, uh, going to be doing the parenting there. Uh, Mohamed Touré just returned on Friday. Uh, we've had the joy and the privilege of, of giving and praying for the brothers and sisters there in the Caribbean. I mean, it's, it's part of what God is at work amongst us. We're currently in the um, Acorns to Oaks uh, for the younger children and parents, helping parents in developing that God awareness in the children. I mean, there's, I haven't got time really to go into all the different things that are going on. So, 
How do I know it's happening? How do I know that God is, is changing, softening my heart? I think that I'm giving you a variety of different ways, but it's all about what God is doing in us. What can I do to cooperate with God and his purpose? Well, we've looked at some of those scriptures and particularly the idea of thinking on his ways. So I've got four things I'd like to just quickly go through just to help us on that and then, uh, then we'll leave it right there. Um, first of all, we've got to agree, well, you've got to define what God is saying. Um, what, what does he want? And I think I've done that in referring back to the scriptures, no doubt about what God wants and no doubt about the fact that he gives us that ability. And considering his ways um, takes us beyond just looking at the actions. But let's kind of give an application. Twenty-odd years ago, uh, two of the key leaders at that time of this church decided to leave and uh, to take a, a group of people with them. <clears throat> In the course of that, there was a lot of hard and unpleasant things said. Um, but we received some good input and counsel. And it was about maintaining the right heart attitude. And there had been, as always in these situations, quite a lot of stuff directed against me. Um, and we did something that... It was unusual, but it was under God. And Dawn and I stood together in our room and chose to forgive all these things, not get engaged in fighting, to forgive all the things that have been said and, and leave it. Then I asked the, the senior leadership group to come together. We did the same thing. And then, some of you remember this, we as a church took that same position. Many years afterwards, we had to declare we'd never looked back from that day. Things had moved on. We developed in whole new ways. What am I talking about? I'm talking about discovering and living in the heart attitude that God wants. That God can give us, instead of that kind of fighting or combative attitude, God can, can give to us his word and his grace to enable us to actually uh, lay something down, forgive and move on. And I think that if we think about defining, um, that's part of that, that kind of um, willingness under God to do what he wants and then he does the rest. In Mark 10, in fact, uh, interestingly, Nathan read it to us earlier on. I don't know if you read it from Mark, but from Mark 10, verses 13 and 14, we've got this story that Nathan referred to. This is when uh, the, the mothers brought their children to Jesus. And man, many of you would know that story. And the disciples, thinking that they were doing Jesus a favour, said, look, you know, he's a busy man. He can't be bothered with all these 
all these kids. And Jesus changed that situation. And when I was thinking about this, I thought, the heart of Jesus is reflected in, in four particular ways. Number one, he had disciples, but he was aware of what they were doing. He had an awareness because of his heart in the situation. So it wasn't just letting them get on with it, but his heart of care stretched to that. He was conscious of his surroundings. He wasn't so focused on what he was doing, what his ministry was, what his teaching was, that he was conscious of the surroundings, the fact that, wait a minute, I'm talking to all these people, but there are these, these mothers trying to bring their children. There was a, an awareness that was again a reflection of his heart. Then, because uh, he was much displeased, depends which version you read, or indignant is another word, about what the disciples were doing, he was willing to confront and correct the disciples in order to fulfill what God was giving him to do at that time. See, guys, let's not think that sort of uh, softness of heart is just a sort of sloppy sentimental thing. There he is, all the disciples thinking they're doing a particular good thing for him, and him saying, guys, I don't want this. You're not going the right way. A willingness out of love, again, to correct them in the very thing that they were doing. And then, of course, he, dis he demonstrated his personal involvement. Having been much displeased with the disciples and corrected them, he personally... Um, takes the children in his arms and puts his hands upon them. And basically, we see that, that the heart of Jesus was not just aware, was not just willing to confront, was not just leaving it to others, but was engaging personally in this whole situation that was pleasing to God. There is opportunity for action. Some of you failed at that this week. God will forgive you. Jamie will forgive you. I have to forgive you. What did you fail at? Hmm? What have you repented of? Hmm? Somebody giving me the answer will gain absolution right there. <laughs> well, maybe, yes, but that's not the thing I'm thinking of Thursday night. Not booking. Yes. Not pressing the button. Mm. Well, that Jamie, he's very kind and what have you. But that's a, a little insignificant thing. The kind of things that Jesus deals with. Little insignificant things. Aware, conscious of others. Little children. <laughs> but important to him. The fact of actually being engaged in that care for others.
I've had a busy week. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, we went up to see my mother. Um, so that's, that's kind of five hours there and back and came back and did various things and busy working away. And then the neighbour comes and uh, said somebody had broken into his house that morning after he'd gone to work, took the keys of one of the vehicles and, and stole the vehicle. And he said, but I think on your security camera, you might, you might pick it up. Mm. Right then, to be honest, I could do with that like a hole in the head. I was tired, I was busy, I had things I was doing. And then we're getting into this technological stuff. How the heck? I've never tried to find out what was, how to go back on the cameras. But thankfully, in the goodness of God, I've got brothers. And uh, I phoned Mark, first of all, um, and he was willing to come, but he'd, he'd just been bringing Tia back from dental surgery and I thought, no, I don't feel good about Mark coming. Um, I think it's good that he looks after his wife. <laughs> I just wanted to score some points with Tia there. You know. <laughs> kind of balances against all the times I've taken Mark away and left her to it. So, <laughs> so then I, I spoke to Anthony and and Jamie and they came and uh, indeed were able to work it all out and my wife got involved <laughs> I got to tell you now uh, it needed a password I looked for the password where it should be and I didn't see it and said it wasn't there she said let me look <laughs> oh lord and of course she finds it I am now suffering. <laughs> but they were able to get, and Jamie was able to do all the clever stuff with the machines and things and, and do that. See, why, why did it matter? Because God is putting something in my heart that means that it matters for my neighbour. Well, is he in the kingdom? No, he's still in his Muslim world. But little by little, we're showing something of the love and care of God and we'll see what God does in that. Watch this space. Then, of course, we've got to remember, we're talking tasks, but God is talking heart. And in John 17, verse 21, he says this, and it's a heart thing, he says, I want you, I want them, talking about us, to be as one, even as I and the Father are one. So we come back again to this heart thing, this oneness, which is so, so critical and so important as far as he's concerned. And if you think about, you know, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. When I was thinking about this and looking at some stuff on this, I thought, that's very true. If you think, there's David and his son Absalom. Bible says they were both handsome, 
and they were both murderers. Uh, so there were some very real similarities in their outward appearance. But look at the difference. See, David was a man after my own heart, God says. I mean, there it, God's ability to look at the heart of a thing is so, so important and so critical. And then you've got the disciples. You know, they're there with Jesus and they're having this to do about who's going to sit at his left hand and who's going to sit at his right hand. And of course, that was also exposed and dealt with. So, when we think about the heart of God, when we think about his heart in us, it brings us to the opportunity time and again to choose his way. Lord, and do you remember those pretty, pretty sort of tacky things that was around many years ago that had WWJD on them? Yeah, do you remember those? Yeah, I mean, it was never into any of that. But, but I like the idea, what would Jesus do? How would he be? Yeah, in that. And I was thinking about this while I was away and looking at that, and what came back to me was that difference between the meekness of Jesus. He faced the force and the power of the government of the time, the legal people, uh, religious people of that time, uh, the, the majority of people, uh, all of which were about him being crucified. And he went as a lamb to the slaughter. You see such an extreme picture. Instead of resorting to force, instead of trusting in power, meekly submitting to God. And I love the question. Remember Calvary? All that force, all that power, and the meekness of Jesus. Who was the winner? Who was the winner? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. There's something about fulfilling God's way that guarantees a particular victory. God is calling us to, to live in the outworking, the actuality of the truth. And it's good to celebrate that. It's good to declare that. Um, it's good to see that that God is willing for us to be moved with compassion and to through, through love to serve one another. It's recognising that, that this is not trying to rehash something. It's new every morning or his mercies. You know, if I love Anthony today, it doesn't mean to say I've got to try and remember today in order to love him tomorrow. It's God at work in us and that's us complying to what God has and to his purpose so that his love can flow through us. Then we begin to come into what he says, if God is for me, who can be against me? Somehow, catching his heart takes us into the outworking of the reality and truth of what he promises. If God is for me, who can be against me? I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I mean, we begin to plumb the depths of just what he has obtained and done for us. 
we never need actually to grow weary in well-doing. The Bible warns against that. Because it's not, oh, well, I've done it, I've committed myself to it now, so I've got to keep doing it. You know, I've been here all these years, I keep doing this, I've been a group leader for, since just after Jesus was born, and now I've got to keep on doing it till he comes again. No, that's not what God wants. I've faithfully done this all these years, and I'm going to continue. Guys, this isn't what God wants. He wants that sense of new every morning are his mercies. Don't grow weary in well-doing. What do I do? We come to him and our hearts are renewed and our hearts are refreshed and our hearts are softened and we catch his heart so that we can actually come with that same verve, that same renewal, that same sense of God at work so that we're first moved with compassion. So we move into the things that he's given us to do having been first moved, refreshed, anointed. That's what he's saying to us at the moment as we prepare to develop further in the harvest. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. What other things? What other things? I'm just reminded of that promise. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember he said that to the fishermen so they would understand it. I will use you for my purpose to extend my kingdom. I mean, if we're looking for a role or looking for a vision or looking for a purpose, is there one greater than that? That we're appointed by the King of Kings to be used by him to actually extend his kingdom. I think that's, that's a pretty high calling. It's a calling that we have to, I believe, rediscover with a freshness, not a sense of a duty, oh, I've got to do this. Not a sense of condemnation, but a sense of life coming up in us. It tells us that as we follow him, he'll lead us into all truth. We'll be sent out. Lord of the harvest, send forth workers into your harvest field. I mean, what a commissioning. What a commissioning to be actually sent out in the purpose of God. Anointed with his power. See, we come back to this. Again, something I was looking at while I was away. Moses was very confident about what could do, what God could do. But he was not confident that God could use him for it. And guys, this is where it's at. I guess most of us will be willing to say, yeah, I know God can do this. But God in me, God Almighty in me, is what he promises. And I believe in these days that God wants to lift, touch our heart, then lift our expectation that we will be fishers of men, that God can be almighty in me. Not just in, in miracles or revelation, but 
in the demonstration of his love, that powerful, life-changing demonstration of his love. See, Moses didn't... Well, I had a good reason. I can't really speak. I'm not this, I'm not that. I've got this background. But he had to come to that revelation that it was God in him. And that's where God is taking us at this time so we can live in the good of that. And all he requires... As if brethren dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. And he calls us to carry, um, it talks about the sweet aroma of Christ. Imagine that, that the people that you mix with, the people that you know, they see something of you, they can't necessarily explain, but they say, this person is not just kind of trying to pump the Bible down our throat. This is somebody who has a, whether they call it a joy or a serenity. They wouldn't use these terms, but the terms would be carrying that. You know when somebody's got uh, an expensive perfume, you know? When my wife has an expensive perfume on that I purchased for her out of the... I mean, it just... Just something. I mean, you, know, you just—it's pleasant. It's something that makes a difference. And this is what God calls us to be—a people who carry something of Christ into a given situation, just where we are. I want to leave you with a question. I'm going to help you with the answer, but I do want you to think about it. As he touches my heart afresh, as he touches your heart afresh, what could you do and what could you not do? What could you do and what could you not do? As God touches your heart, what could you do and what could you not do? I'm talking about um, loving things which are unlovely or people that are unlovely. I'm just giving you this as examples. I'm talking about giving and serving as he directs, not just what we like. It, it's about that ability to respond to his voice over, over and above all the other noises and sounds that we hear and all the other voices that are around. It's about the possibility of actually being empowered by him to carry his word and bring light into darkness. And what could you not do? I'm talking, I'm just giving this example about um, kind of... You remember the story of the Good Samaritan and the priest that walked by on the other side? I don't think... I think we couldn't. God touches our you can't walk by on the other side. It matters. You care. It's there. We don't miss out what God is saying. I suppose I ought to be fair with you and indicate this is in Galatians 5 verse 7. It doesn't become automatic. God touches my heart and I do all the things I should 
and don't do anything that I shouldn't and I reflect how he is and I never reflect anything else. Yeah? That is not automatic. It tells you very clearly in Galatians 5 verse 7. So there's the question. As he touches my heart, what could I do? What could I not do? And we'll come back at that on some future date. Amen? All right.